Hi, this is Randy Brecker on I don't know how many records, but from everyone from Blood, Sweat, and Tears to Frank Sinatra to Jaco Pistorius. And this is Follow Your Dream, a great podcast by Robert Miller. So check it out. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the award-winning Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners worldwide in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Iliani Elias, the extraordinary Brazilian pianist, singer, composer, and arranger. I've been a huge fan of this very talented lady for a long time. There's only one word to describe her singing and playing, exquisite. She has combined Brazilian music, jazz, and classical into a remarkable repertoire. She's a multiple Grammy and Latin Grammy nominee and winner. Her recordings run the gamut from The Doors to Chick Corea to Man of La Mancha to classical music to her own compositions. She can do it all. And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all my musician guests, Iliani and I are going to do a song fest. We're going to play a handful of her best works and you're going to get the backstories, and nobody does this in podcasts. And you know that I feature a song of mine in every episode, underneath the introduction and at the end, and I always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guest. In this instance, my featured song is my cover of Chick Corea's Sea Journey from my 1994 debut album, Miles Behind. I chose this song because Iliani recorded an album with Chick, and we'll hear one of the songs from this album later in the Songfest portion of this interview. So, Iliani Elias, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Thank you, Robert. It's wonderful to be speaking with you today and to take part on this podcast. Well, I thank you so much. You know, I am a gigantic fan, not only of you, but also of Brazilian music in general. And I mean, Brazil is the home of the samba. It's the home of bossa nova. And I just wanted to start off by saying that I wanted to give a shout out to one of the greatest musicians of the 20th century from Brazil. And I'm talking about Antonio Carlos Jobim. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yes. What an incredible composer. You know, he he was, I mean, he played the piano. He played the guitar. But uh, mostly with the composer's, you know, style of playing. Right. That kind of proficiency. But he wrote incredible songs, over 300 songs that uh, really took our music, you know, internationally. Yes. Anywhere that I go, I have toured to date 77 countries. And doesn't matter what the country is, when I start 
certain songs of his, they all recognize. And if I would tell the audience to sing along with me, they would. I mean, that's how his music just went everywhere. Yes. What I loved about his music is there was a simplicity and an elegance to his music, the melodies, everything about them, the arrangements. And, you know, he was the first winner of the Grammy to play, you know, a jazz composition that won in 1965. It was Girl from Ipanema. which of course is maybe his most famous composition. That was the Stan Getz and Astrid Gilberto version that won the Grammy that year. But I adore his music, and I love the album that you did of his music. Yes, do you know that I actually, I recorded two albums that were completely dedicated to him. One, he was still alive, called Eliane Elias Plays Jobim. And the other one was right when he was passing, you know, when he passed away, it was Eliane Elias Sings Jobim. Uh-huh. I'll tell you a little story about this if you're interested in knowing, you know, this. But I knew Jobim from the time when I still lived in Brazil. And I met him when I was 17 years old. And I started touring together with his co-writer, Vinicius de Moraes, who was one of the greatest lyricists that we ever had, a poet, you know, an incredible, but also, you know, a co-writer with with Jobim. And I started working with Vinicius for three years, and because they were always together, I would spend, get to spend time with Jobim. And it was so important, you know, in my, like in my musical life and, and my, even the way that I approached, you know, uh, compositions, not the, the jazz compositions, but going into more Brazilian vein and songs, more like songwriting. And it was wonderful. And he was an incredible, incredible composer. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said before, I think people the world over know the songs. They may not know the names, but they know the melodies. And for anybody that doesn't know Jobim, Right after you listen to this interview, I want you to go to YouTube and look up Antonio Carlos Jobim, because it's just magnificent music that this man produced. True. And speaking of magnificent music, let's talk about your career. So you grew up in Brazil, and you must have infused that whole Brazilian music and ethos into your body. But you came to the United States, and you went to Juilliard. Is that where you learned jazz? Is that where you brought the jazz into the Brazilian? It's interesting what happened. I grew up in a musical family. My mother played classical music and noticed, you know, put me to study classical piano when I was seven years old. And around that age already, I was learning very, it was very uh, natural for me. It was very easy for me. 
So in about a month or so, I would do things that children would, would be studying for a year or two years, and I would keep going and going and going. So by the time I was 10 years old, I learned how to transcribe music, you know, and I was very good already with divisions and, you know, subdivisions, and I learned how to write music. You were writing music at age 10, you're saying? Yes, I'm going to tell you what I was doing. And it's quite impressive because when I look back and I see a 10-year-old, I say, wow, <laughs> I was, <laughs> was I doing that? Yes, I have all the books and everything. So I could, I could always, when I heard music, I could hear, you know, I, I could see what it was, the notes, the, the key, you know, everything. So I had a record, you know, a, a record player, and I used to sit there and get pianists that I like, and trans I used to transcribe note per note. Wow. You know, and then play along with those records. So by the time I was 13, I had developed a huge repertoire of jazz tunes that I was already doing, because remember, there were no, we didn't have access to those books we didn't have access to you know my father traveled he'll bring the lps for me he could travel for work come to the us and bring books and things like this so i started transcribing so when i was 13 i went to a school of music in brazil it was the best school of music and they accepted me as a child prodigy and i graduated at age 15 and started teaching there so i became the head of the piano department at age 15. Now, you were playing classical and jazz at this stage? Yes, but there I was concentrated on giving master classes for improvisation, harmony. Uh, it was jazz that I was teaching. So then I started playing with my trio. Young, you know, I got a car at that point, you know, I looked mature. So no one ever stopped me. I had a car. My father was okay with it. My mother was okay with it. I was playing in you know, different venues, different things. And then one night, that's when I go back to Jobim. I, I, one night I'm playing in this club with my trio. I was just, at that point, I'm 17. And I looked over. I had to really look because sitting right close to me was Jobim with Vinicius de Moraes, with Toquinho, with their manager, and they invited me then to join them for the upcoming international tours. So I started touring with them throughout South America for almost three years, and Jobim would be on some of the concerts, sometimes not, sometimes yes, but I was always there, and be, I started doing MD for them, musical direction, and it was wonderful. But so when I moved to the United States, I moved because not that the musicians were not talented, they were talented, but they were not as exposed to this language of improvisation and that kind of knowledge and whatever I developed. They didn't have that opportunity. So in my head, what I would hear was the sound of certain musicians playing that they were not making that sound in Brazil. So when I was 21 years old, I moved to New York. And it was quick that I was accepted, embraced into jazz community. Musicians, I would go to jam sessions. They would hear me play. I was then, you know, um, became a part of Steps Ahead because they heard me. You know, I'll tell you more of that story. But Juilliard, 
was not, I didn't come to study at Juilliard. Juilliard was something that I decided to do parallel to all my work. I was working already because I was interested in developing a sound on the piano that would develop the sound uh, of a string instrument. You know, piano has strings, it's also percussive. Right. How do you make that string play like a string instrument? And so I start doing a lot of, you know, like Bach and, uh, you know, Chopin and, and Ravel and different things that I was, Ubila Lobos, working with different men and off doing things, but really in depth of that kind of technique. And at that point, EMI Classics, you know, the producers, they heard me playing somewhere classical and said, you have to record for us. So I then recorded the album called uh, Indian Elias Plays Classics. And, and um, that's a very beautiful album that has different styles. It has folk like Villa Lobos, Impressionistic, um, represented by Ravel, Baroque with Bach and then the romantic Chopin. So it's it's something diverse and, and is a, I'm glad that I, that this happened, but I never had the aspiration to be a concert classical, you know, a concert artist. Not for that. I always liked the improvisation. What's so interesting to me, you started playing improvisational music at a very early age, relatively speaking. And it's such a sophisticated area of music that most musicians would never touch, wouldn't even think of going into at that age. I loved it. I was going to ask, what was that motivation for you? I mean, I just felt it so deeply. Who were your favorites at that time? Well, you know, depending on the age that I was, when I was 10 years old, I was listening to, for example, to Bud Powell, Winton Kelly. Art Tatum, Nat King Cole. But then a couple of years later, I went into Bill Evans deeply, and that stayed for a long time, and Oscar Peterson. And then another couple of years, I started doing a lot of transcriptions from Chick Corea, from Herbie Hancock, the two pianists with whom I ended up playing piano duets. Yeah. <laughs> right, later in life. So, um, Yes, these are some of the pianists, you know, that I, that really, that I have their transcriptions that I studied. I remember when I was playing with Steps Ahead, there was a tour that we did that was VSOP and Steps Ahead. VSOP, Herbie was playing with VSOP. And so, you know, um, Tony Williams and Ron Carter and Herbie was so supportive of my music of, you know, my piano playing and my, that instead of waiting backstage, many times you'd sit right on the front with the audience and be right there by the piano. Mm-hmm. And so one day I said to him, Herbie, I have a lot of transcriptions from you. I'm going to bring for you to see. And I, I took it for him and I have every note written, analyzed. What did he do? You know, trying to create a language for myself, like, Knowing, because I know a lot of the theory too, so I, you know, oh, instinctively he did this, he resolved them this, but he used this substitution. You know, I could figure it all out, and I showed him, and he was wow. You know, I never thought of that way. Wow, you know, he was interested. I had like 
tons of songs that I, tunes of solos of his that I transcribed, you know, and so I learned that way. It wasn't like, oh, I'm getting a book here and reading it. No, we went all from the core, you know, from the root. And I loved it. Sometimes my mother would walk in the room. I'm with my record player. You know, I'm I'm transcribing Red Garland, okay, <laughs> or something like this, and I'm all wet. My face is in I'm in tears, and the tune is swinging. I said, "Why are you crying?" My I feel so. You know, it's like I felt it. You know, for anyone that's not a musician, I don't know if they can appreciate what you're saying here the way I can appreciate it because this is quite remarkable to be able to transcribe and to capture everything that you just described. And you you made me think of a story that I heard a long time ago when Mozart was like six years old or something like that. He was a, a child. Father took him to see a string quartet. And it was about a half an hour program. Mozart listened. He went back home and he transcribed the entire string quartet from memory. Okay? He is genius. So I feel like I'm talking to an heir of Mozart here. <laughs> well, thank you. But I, <laughs> you know, even if you bring it to today, okay, like the recording that Chick and I did together, or Herbie, you know, I did piano duets. The art, like people would ask, how did you guys, did you rehearse? Did you? No. Look at my YouTube channel. You'll see the record. You'll see us playing when it happened. Yeah. you see what happened. What was it? I said, it's a life devoted to the art of improvisation. It's a lifetime. That was the rehearsal. <laughs> it's the whole life. Because you sit down and you have to have that immediate reaction and that response, but, that, but being comfortable in your instrument and the knowledge of harmony and, and, you know, have, and to be able to have that musical conversation, like the way it happened. I mean, it's, I'm very, very proud and very happy that that did happen. You know, we wanted to do that for a long time. You're talking about a level of accomplishment that is stratospheric. Okay. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. You know, one of the many benefits to me of doing this podcast is being able to collaborate musically with some of my guests who are among the best musicians in the world. My first collaboration was with the great Jim Peterick of the Ides of March and formerly with Survivor. Jim and I collaborated on The Fall of Winter, a song about a blue collar worker who dreams of a better life. Also contributing was Elliot Randall, the renowned guitarist. John Helliwell was the amazing saxophonist in Supertramp, one of the greatest bands of the rock era. John collaborated with me on my 2023 album, Bobby M and the Paisley Parade, and he's featured on several tracks. One of them is This Time. Tony Carey is a singer-songwriter and keyboard genius who played with Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Tony has collaborated with me on several recordings, including his exquisite organ playing on All of the Time.
and I'm finishing up a new collaboration right now with trumpeter Randy Brecker, formerly with Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Collaborations like these make the podcast very special indeed. As always, thank you for listening, and keep on rocking. You're making me think now that we should segue quickly to that number that you picked out that you did with Chick Corea. And Chick and Herbie are two of my absolute most favorite musicians of all time. Just extraordinary. And you did an album with Chick Corea that was just spectacular. And you did a number on that album called Armando's Rumba. pianos side by side, right? Yes. Tell us about that. That must have been an extraordinary experience. Oh, well, you know, I I really wanted this to happen for a long time. I know he did too, and he helped a lot to make it happen. And it's just, it, it's uh, not very easy to describe the sensation and what happens because it's really at the moment, I mean, it's a kind of affinity, musical affinity and and listening to each other that I really recommend for the people that are interested to take a look Yes, the video because you can watch the recording. It's really special, you know. So tell us about that because you're saying was it completely improvised? Did you discuss it in advance? Who was going to take what melody and who was going to improvise at one point? Or were you just listening to one another and feeding off of that? That's it. The only thing we asked, I mean, Armando's Rumba is the, the key that he wrote the song. So right. we just played it. But the other tunes were like, uh, we exchanged a couple of uh, uh, texts, you know. What do you think? And I said, oh, what about this tune? He says, oh, yeah, I like to do that. Like, what key do you do? I can do that key. Is that good? Yeah. Okay, let's do it in that key. And then he says, what about uh, Blue Balsa? Okay, we'll do that. What key? Okay, can do that. Okay. So we got to the place which was, you know, we were ready to record. And I picked the pianos for us, for us both, because he was in New York. And the pianos were there. And then he arrived. We hugged each other. He sat down. And as he started playing something, I sat on the piano and we just went from there. Really? And we played consecutively like uh, uh, whatever, 25 minutes, and that's the album. That's that's what we did. That was it. Unbelievable. Chick is one of those pianists that had such a distinctive sound. I could pick him out anytime he was playing anything. And such a remarkable composer as well. And like you, was able to go at and through all different kinds of music. You know, he had the, you know, the electric band, you know, he did different things. And, and I love that about him, you know. Yeah. Spectacular. It's wonderful. 
And I told you that before I picked out a song of mine as the featured song in this episode, and it was a song that I recorded of Chicks. And what he did after that album came out, even though it was a lost album for 30 years, the, the distributor went out of business, but somehow or other Chick knew that I had recorded that song. And he sent me the nicest email afterwards, thanking me for recording his song, which I never forgot. What a lovely man he was. Okay, let's go to another track that we are doing in the Songfest. This is uh, Voce e You. All right? If I'm saying it correctly, probably not from your <laughs> no. Quietude album. Tell me how to pronounce it correctly. No, don't laugh. <laughs> yes, as cute as the way you said it. Okay, <laughs> but I, the right way would be você. Você. E eu. E eu. Okay. Okay. That means you and I. E também podem me intrigar e até sorrir e até chorar e podem mesmo imaginar o que melhor lhes parecer. Podem espalhar que estou cansada de viver E que é uma pena para quem me conheceu Eu sou mais você e eu Another exquisite song. Please, tell us a little bit about this one. Well, I, I love the song. I worked with that composer, you know, the composer who he actually passed away last year. Um, wonderful composer and bossa nova composer. We um, used to do that song and it's one of the songs that I always wanted to do. And when it came time that I was creating music for quietude, uh, I thought this would be a nice opening. Você e eu also is a beautiful romantic lyric uh -huh. that talks about uh, the love that this person has for the other, saying, you know, I'd rather be with you, you know, more than anything else, parties, going out, doing this. I just want to be with you in any place that you are. And você e eu, you and I. It's a beautiful song for sure. Okay, the next one is Jobim track that you gave to me, one of my absolute favorite Jobim numbers. The translation is Waters of March. What's the Portuguese? Well, it's the same, but in Portuguese, it's Águas de Março. Sounds much nicer in Portuguese, I have to say. I want to tell you something about this tune that I find it interesting. First, I'm going to talk about this tune, okay? Because Everyone who knows Jobim would think that The Girl from Ipanema is his most recorded song. But it's not. It's this one. And I didn't know until I recorded. It's the one that 
has received like the most, most recordings is Waters of March. It's a gorgeous song. It's a gorgeous song, but it talks about this. In Brazil, March is a month of rain. It's the end of the summer, right? Like here, it's going to be the end of winter. South Hemisphere is going to be the end of summer. So it rains, and it's the end of that beautiful, you know, heat, the summer and all that. And when he wrote this, he had a house like outside of Rio de Janeiro that had a little brook that would go, you know, around the house. And he was going through a very um, depressive period. He was depressed. And he had that brook and the water, and he thought that his career was pretty much over. He felt that he was no longer relevant. And so he wrote this tune that he says, you know, he talks about the, you know, the waters of March closing the summer and that hope that stays in my heart goes somewhere that, you know, he was down. Mm. He wrote this and then the tune exploded. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you go on YouTube, there's a lovely video of him singing this tune, a duet with, um, and I don't, I forget her name. Yes. And he's singing his part and she's singing her part. Now, he was not a great singer. Okay. I don't think he ever considered himself a great singer. But it was such a lovely interaction between the two. You know, very beautiful interaction. So for this album, made in Brazil, it was the first time I recorded from all the years that I've been in the United States, more than 30-something years, almost 30 albums I never recorded in Brazil. So I, I went to Brazil and I recorded this album, which uh, after maybe eight Grammy nominations, it brought me my first Grammy. Uh -huh. Okay, I had eight or eight or nine nominations prior to this album. And with this album, I got the first Grammy. It opens with this tune. I'm, I am, you know... Always, uh, like I just heard it recently, uh, because I don't go back listening to the things, and I has a very special arrangement, and has the participation of Take Six. Yes, they're beautiful, and you know, some is in Portuguese, some is in English, and there are new parts to the song. Is a, it's something that I I hope you all enjoy because I'm quite proud of that particular uh, recording. Yeah, I think having Take Six, the vocal group on there, was uh, inspired, let's put it that way. All right, we're going to switch gears now, because you did a cover of Light My Fire, The Doors' big hit, yeah, which was kind of out of the ordinary for the kind of things that I listened to from you. And you did a very kind of slow, sexy version of that song, which I loved. If I were to say We couldn't get much higher Come on, baby, light my 
Tell us about that. Well, I always liked the song, and uh, and I wanted to do something with it. You know, that would be just like that, like slow and sexy, and with that kind of a groove. You know, there's no no drums, just a little touch of percussion, great electric guitar. You know, doing some of the phrases, and the the vibe is really special on the tune. Did you ever play rock and roll when you were younger or at any time? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And backbeat stuff. You know, I've done a lot of a lot of different things. Okay. Well, like I said, this one just kind of surprised me a little bit, but you made it into a song that was all you. So that worked. Thank you. All right. The next one we have also kind of goes in a different direction. This is a classical track. I'm going to mispronounce it again. You're going to embarrass me. Oh, Policinello. Did I come close? Very close. Okay. Policinello. That's very good. Tell us about this one. I think it's a great piece by uh, Vila Lobos, our Brazilian composer, who, by the way, was a great inspiration to Jobim. Jobim loved Vila Lobos, even the way Vila Lobos looked and his cigar and the whole thing. Jobim took a lot of that persona. And it's a, a challenging piece for piano, and I'm happy that I recorded it. <laughs> I mean, again, I guess it's that classical portion of your life that came out in that song and that album. Yes, that's true. Fantastic. Okay, what else did we have here? We have two songs of yours. Incendiando, which was a vocal... And the time is now instrumental. us about those well um they're from different periods the time is now uh is a song that you know changes time a little bit you know you can see that the, the tempos are different and the grooves are different because it goes from more of a latin hybrid 
you know, intro and groove, and then become straight ahead for a while. I like playing that tune. Even now, we still like to play it live uh, here and there. You know, it's a fun tune. Incendiando is a tune that I brought the arranger of Take Six, Mark Kibble, who did vocals with me and is, uh, you know, is a tune that I, I thought that it came out very nicely. Also on that album, part, part of the Made in Brazil album. Another beautiful song. Okay, we have gone through so many different aspects of your career. What's next for you? What's on the agenda? Next is, uh, is an album that I just finished. Okay. I'm about to deliver it as we speak. And it's an album of original music. The whole album is original music. I have done, you know, in the past, of course, I've done original music, but sometimes a couple of tunes in an album, two or three in another album. Years ago, I did albums that had original material, but I haven't done that exclusively originals for a while. I do covers, do things, arranging and mix them. So this is all original music. And I'm very excited to have this album coming out soon. Is it instrumental? Is it vocal? Is it a combination? Vocal. It's vocal. Are you singing? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, then we have to listen to it. Is there a name for this album yet? I don't know if I'm allowed to say it yet. They don't okay. let me. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll leave it anonymous for right now. How's that? Out in June. Okay, in June. Well, it'll be time enough for people to go get that album. We have been speaking here with the wonderful, the extraordinary Iliani Elias. It's just been such a pleasure. You are a remarkable force of nature in the music business. Thank you, Robert. I really enjoyed you know, speaking with you. And also, congratulations, because uh, you're doing something wonderful for the music, for us musicians, and continuing to bring music you know, to everyone. And... Uh, Wishing you the very best. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. We're going to listen now to that song that started off the episode. It's my cover of Chick Corea's song, Sea Journey. I want to thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com.
Thank mm-hmm. you. 